It's a dreadful call and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Jose Mourinho used the new manager bump to lead his new Spurs team to a victory at the London Stadium over West Ham. Son, Kane, and Lucas Moura all got on the score sheet as they won 3-1 over the Hammers. Liverpool continued to win ugly games as they rested Mo Salah with that ankle injury as they beat Palace 2-1. They blew a 1-0 lead, but Roberto Firmino was able to snag the 2-1 winner. Arsenal drew 2-2 with 19th place Southampton thanks to a late equalizer from Alexander Lacazette. Honestly, I don't know what else to say about Arsenal here. Like, it is what it is. Manchester City beat Chelsea 2-1 thanks to goals from De Bruyne and Mahrez. They did lose Aguero to an injury ahead of a busy part of the season. And a notable stat, City only had 46.74% of the ball. That's the lowest percentage by any Guardiola team in any of his 381 top flight matches in charge of Barcelona, Bayern Munich, or Manchester City. And today, Sheffield United drew 3-3 with Manchester United. Sheffield had a 2-0 lead before United scored three in a flurry, and Sheffield evened it out in the dying moments. Welcome to the Ghost Bowl Podcast. We got the whole gang here for a little Sunday Fun Day pod. Uh, I'm Andrew Pissarro. We got Alex Moss and Javier Arevalo along for the ride. Everybody, how was the weekend of footy? As soon as the uh, I like woke up Saturday morning, I uh, I texted in like uh, our, our group chat just uh, a meme about the pain coming and uh, it, oh oh the pain came. It's just like it got. About like 30 minutes into watching uh, the Arsenal game, I was already looking down at my phone, just like not interested in what what I was watching and just like, yeah, knew it was going to be a shit weekend. Um, although Jose Mourinho's return was uh, entertaining. That was uh, that was kind of fun to watch. There are many things you can criticize Mourinho for, but uh, being uh, being not being entertaining is uh, not one of them on and off the field. But especially his first couple games back, uh, I, I don't suppose that's the first one you want to talk about, Andrew. Do you want to? Talk about the the thigh rubber of the weekend. All right, so yeah, let's talk about West Ham and Tottenham. Jose Mourinho back on the touchline inspires Tottenham to a three two win. I think I might have said three one in the opener, but whatever. It's Sunday pod. Uh, lots of takes about Deli Alley. He being looked back. really good this game, and like apparently did. there was. Could, apparently, can we just start out by how like right we were about what Mourinho's like initial formation was going to be? <laughs> like, I was sitting there looking at it like I was sitting there looking at the lineups when they came out. Like I can't say I'm surprised because I literally like we were all literally saying which players were going to start. The only one that didn't, well, I think, was uh, Danny Rose didn't start. I think Ben Davis was in over him, but. I mean, other than that, Eric Dyer and Winks in a midfield pivot. Deli Alley is the number ten. Uh, Lucas Moore, I think Javier, you you mentioned would definitely be in the lineup, like because Mourinho just wants that pace and incisiveness in, in those wing players. And it was all like a very like uh, okay. You you can be impressed with Tottenham if you want to. You can say this was a great start for Mourinho, and sure, it wasn't a bad one. But at the same time, it felt like a very Mourinho s performance. 
for uh, against a bad team where he just sort of sets his defensive six players, lets his front four focus purely on kind of pressing high, but mostly trying to get into those little spaces between between the lines. Uh, and then he just waits for his opponent to fuck up at some point. And, you know, with West Ham, with the form they're on right now, like you don't have to wait long for that to happen. And, you know, I'll give a little bit of credit to Tottenham, but, you know, I'm not thinking all is fixed and they're going to go on some yeah, like, amazing run now. They've got tough games too. coming like, up. They still right. needed all three of those goals two to set get the pieces. win this game. But it is... Uh, you know, the Tottenham's first away win in the Premier League since February, which is a, a, a massive thing for them. And, you know, the beginning of being able to turn the corner starts with something like this. They have a couple of, like, decently easy games coming up um, that they could definitely win. And then in their next... They still have games at United and, and yeah, their next Chelsea. In their next 10 so, games, you know, those are the all... two hardest games, Chelsea and United. So I'm sure yeah. they're looking at those next, like, 10 games thinking they can get, you know, a lot of wins and... and get momentum if, if they're going to make a challenge for top four this year. So I think they're still in it because of this move that they made. And, you know, the club looks obviously still frail, still has its weaknesses, is still going to have a lot of problems this year. But um, they at least look like they're, they're going to get a little bit of a manager bump for the next few weeks. Yeah, and you, you can't deny the back line looks like better, especially with Dyer and Winks in front of them. But... Dyer's a player that in certain situations, sure, fine, start him, rely on him. But if you have to rely on him for over like a long stretch of games, over a, a larger sample size, he's going to get found out a good few times. And whether that's in a game against uh, a really good defensive team where Dyer just offers you nothing in terms of like creation, uh, then th- that, that will be an effect. I'm sure the team or a problem Mourinho will have to sort out at some point. But there's also games against big teams where he's just he's just not good enough. He's not like classy enough to really have like that much of an impact on the game. So it's so the perfect, nice little like cushioned start from Mourinho. And um, yeah, we'll see how they do in Champions League coming up this week. Do you guys think he's going to be able to utilize some of the newer players that Spurs just brought in, like uh, Los Celso or maybe Ndombele? Uh, eventually, I feel like it's going to be through more more force. Before he yeah. uses a pl- players like that, but yeah, I I, I agree that it's not a. It, I mean, I mean he he's this guy's. I think he's a genius, like in 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 his approach, and he still has I think some sort of magic left in him. I don't think he's done. Um, how a lot of people have implicated after the United job, and I did kind of praise him on the last pod, but I want to like reiterate more that this guy. He's smart enough to sit back after a year, and he's been analyzing this league. He's he's probably been have has, has a few players in mind that he th- he's probably going to go out and buy. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes and buys like two or three really really good pieces for this Tottenham side to take them to to like a higher level than they've been under Pochettino. Um, and he's the type of name that could attract players like that. I don't know how many players left in world football are still thinking to themselves, though, like, ah, I want to go play under Pochettino and at Tottenham, or uh, under Mourinho and at Tottenham. So, you know, I think there's a lot of... Apparently apparently Zlatan might be thinking about it. Players like that, maybe, but I don't know how many, like, young players want to actually play under Mourinho, but, yeah, we'll see uh, We'll see what type of money, you know, they, they start offering their players... They're paying their coach fifteen million a year, so I'm sure the players aren't going to be, uh, you know, they're going to come knocking on the door asking for big raises too. Yep. All right, let's move it over. We'll uh, we'll jump down to let's. 
Javier, let's rip the bandaid off. There isn't that much to really talk about here. Yeah, let's talk about Arsenal. I mean, actually, can we hold up for just one sec while you guys were finishing up on Tottenham? I wanted to pull up something on them. Tottenham to win the Champions League right now, plus twenty nine hundred. You've got a Champions League finalist of players last year. You've got a two-time winner in Jose Mourinho coming in. They've got no chance at winning the league. Obviously, they still have to battle to get back into top four. But I'd be remiss if we took this stance towards more discussion of betting and I didn't throw up like a Leicester type, like crazy bet that still has some sort of factors that make you think, yeah, sure, 10 bucks um, on that. Hand up, hand up. I threw money on Leicester, a future for Leicester to win the league, <laughs> like plus 200, like last Thursday. <laughs> Uh, okay. I kind of forgot That's about it plus until right now. Andrew. I mean, what I'm trying to get at is it's crazy odds. It's not going to happen. But, you know, I just want to mention it. Just want to mention it so Lester's in case it does, I can come back. to win the league? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 let me, I'm going to check what it is right now, but I got a future on Leicester to win the league. I think it was 25 like, to 1 last, last time I checked. Yeah, and uh, I, I took it. My buddy and I, a buddy and I both put, like, five bucks on it together. We're like, all right, fuck it. Like... He's a City fan, too, so it was like, if if it's not one of our teams, like, might as well take, uh, might as well take, anyways, I, I got Leicester at a pretty high number, but I, I think you could throw, I think you could throw a dollar on that 2,900 for Tottenham, and I don't think that's a horrendous bet, to be honest. Like, they, ha- you're right, they have I all mean, the it is. We just haven't seen just, Reno make a run yeah, in a while. It's just, it needs oh, to it's be a horrendous before bet. it drops. It's a horrendous bet. You're I losing disagree. you're losing that money, but it's a much better horrendous bet than some of the horrendous bets you can find out there probably. Yeah, that's that's, that's To put it in context, Atletico Madrid are plus twenty three hundred. So you'd probably have better odds at that like like you'd probably a better shot of them winning it than you than Tottenham. But you know, it's something to mention. Sorry, we were about to jump into the Arsenal chat. I hate to cut that short. <laughs> No, I'm always look at this point. I'm always into talk betting, and yes, futures. I, I we need to what, next time we do like a continental catch up. We need to look at the euros futures. By the way, oh for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Arsenal two, Southampton two. Danny Ings, Lacazette, James Ward Prowse, and Lacazette are your goal scorers. Now I was pretty happy like when I saw the starting formation. I thought that this was pretty close to our best starting 11 outside of Ozil. Um, I would have obviously liked Pepe to start instead, but um, I don't know. This is a uh, bittersweet because I want Emery fired. Lay that formation out. Lay that formation out for the people. What? Not everyone watched the game. Lay out, like, what what was the system? I mean, I can do it for you. We had our five at the back with Tierney and Bayadine as wingbacks. First time in the league this year. Yeah, first time in the league those two were playing. And then we had um, our three center backs were Socrates, David Luiz, and Chambers. Which, you know, Socrates kind of had a nightmare. David Luiz was decent but you would have expected him to be better in a in a back five and chambers doesn't look very comfortable in a back five so i don't know how, how much that's going to work going forward and our midfield is just very lackluster right now uh terrera guinduzzi was not has not worked at, at all this season yet so i don't know uh our, our it was a pretty dire performance from us and you could tell there wasn't a lot of spirit spirit in the team uh, after both goals, people didn't really celebrate. It was just kind of like, all right, like, now what, you know? 
Do we have to see uh, Unai Emery's team for another couple of weeks? I mean, we've conceded 71 shots in the last three games. And oh, my God. Our opposition hasn't been, like, that amazing. We've conceded 71 shots. We got – we had more – we had Let's more yellow away. cards than we had Stop. shots on target in this game. We had six yellow cards and five shots on target. Keep going. I'm almost it's there. It's just, like, there's, there's, there's so <laughs> many shit things about this game that, like – you know, Southampton should have won. They definitely could feel disappointed that they lost. Um, they should have scored like four now. Their first maybe goal, five. the ball was moving uh, while while the free kick was being taken. So that one should have been chalked. The VAR off. doesn't check that. No, VAR I know because it's a that. restart, so that's unfortunate. Um, and then in the second goal, it was a really really soft penalty. So that was really uh, unfortunate, um, but. Both of our goals just kind of came out of nothing too, and yeah, it was just it was not a good day for us. There was a lot. Pepe had a couple of really good chances that he missed again. It's been a recurring theme now, and we're in November, so uh, you would have thought that he would he would have gotten a little bit more going at this point. And I, and I'm I'm willing to still give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it's Unai Emery who's causing this, but um, you could tell that when the the equalizer went in that everyone was just kind of like oh well great i guess that's saving unai's job for another you know couple of weeks now they're saying that they're going to give him tell west ham which is three more games which in my which is just ridiculous to me like what what are you going to gain from seeing three more games of you know it's already been shit football since you know since basically the beginning of unai there hasn't really been like a really good steady period of well that's not true. good football i mean since the beginning of this season, you guys like you were people were going crazy about some of the football you guys were playing in the in the earlier to middle part of last season, and it's kind of dropped off since then. But I mean, the, no the main one was thing going that crazy. Uh, we just had like a like an I don't know the twenty run, game we the twenty game win streak well people rate, started mouth. There was a lot off. of results during that, that run Lester win where we were like, oh, Arsenal kind of got lucky in that, and then. Now it's coming back to bite us. Now we're not getting lucky anymore, and VAR exists. So, yeah, it's it's. Uh, we need to get Unai out. We need to get a, a big name manager in, and uh, the sooner the better. Sack him now, board. Get him the fuck out. The uh, the the biggest the biggest uh, I guess uh, or bad part about Arsenal's performance that I think you can point to as an example of like Emery just not knowing what he's doing is just how. Uh, it's just how ill-disciplined that Guendouzi Torreira midfield was. You would see like Guendouzi going to press the ball like high up on the wing. You'd see Torreira getting into the box late, and if you're playing with those two in midfield, like there has to be a damn good reason for one of those two players to be uh, opening up that space behind themselves to like get forward to do things like that. And especially with Ozil in front of you, you know he's not dropping in. And I mean, frankly, Aubameyang and Lacazette shouldn't have to be dropping in. So. Theoretically, you should just be hoping for like more disciplined performances from those two midfield players and then replace Ozil with someone like Pepe or maybe like Willick or Ceballos or someone and ask for those forward three players to just have to work their asses off. Like, But again, there's been a lot of like, theoretically, you could do this to fix Arsenal. And at times it's even, uh, Unai's even made those changes, like the, the back Unai's five getting healthy. the formation and, three times during this game, which is just, again, like the guy has no idea what the fuck's yeah, I'm going just, on. He's I'm lost. playing the devil's advocate and bringing us into this and saying we have suggested some of these changes and they've been made, like the Bellerin and Tierney back uh, wingbacks, like the back three that he's finally instituted these last two games. 
and and they haven't worked. There's bigger things. There's greater, uh, I, I guess, uh, like changes made throughout the club that you, you, you're going to have to do, namely Emery, that are going to need to be made before any sort of technical changes or tactical changes like that actually come to fruition. Yeah, look, the things are – I agree with you guys, though. There needs to be a change at Arsenal. Let's move on from that one. Let's go to the Liverpool game where, like I said earlier, they win ugly. That's all they seem to do now. Uh, they won 2-1 over Crystal Palace, and they rested ah. – um, they rested right most Right again, lot. Andrew. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Somehow. Which, I, I thought the clean sheet was, was going to come, but fucking – you had to go fuck it up. You I'm had to go – I, I thought it was goal. coming. I thought it was, it was coming. Liverpool but then they were like, let's, let's give Andrew's bets in order, concede a goal. They had another, another good weekend. Another good betting weekend, right? Another, another good weekend. Yeah, I guess I had the Liverpool game. I had – I had Wolves was on the blog. If you so if you read the blog, you knew to get Wolves money line and Leicester money line, which was, which is just every yeah, time. sure. And then I, Leicester, the the Leicester money line is, seems to be just like every time now. It's like it's just free. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be, keep as long Sheffield's as I can kinda, get it, get it close money, to it. Like it failed you this that. week, but like it was really close. It was so close. It that sucked. Like. Because I also didn't turn that game on until the second half, and I turned it on, and in Manchester United immediately scored. Damn it, Andrew, you jinxed it. Yeah, like I fucked it up. Like I should not have put that game on at all. Like that's why I lost the bet. Uh, but let's talk about the Liverpool game. Uh, like I said, they they rest they rest most a lot, and they play Alex Oxley Chamberlain in that position on the left. And I'm not gonna lie to you, it did not work. He does. He's not. A, he's not oh, a forward no, in the clock system. At I could have told he's, you that one. He's. We tried him a lot on the yeah. uh, in the front three. He's not. I mean, he's 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 a dynamic player, but he's at his best, I think, in the midfield. Like he doesn't have enough of a goal scoring threat on the wing and enough of a a drive at players. Like he's really quick, but he's not like that good at dribbling past players. I think he also doesn't work that well. I think with Mane and and Firmino in in, in build up. So. No, but I, I do think he would fit better in the midfield. But, uh, yeah, so the, the, he didn't start. Uh, Shakiri was not even on the bench. Um, Salah never comes on. Uh, there was a lot. Let's let's talk about VAR's effect on this game because it led to a lot of memes that I found quite hilarious um, because Crystal Palace scored off a corner, but Dayan Lovren was pushed, and so they, they ruled it out, and a lot of people were mad online. And you guys just seem to be getting like the, the, the better of a lot of the VAR reviews while it feels like at least every other team in the league. And I'm sure I'm sure you can come up with an example right now of where Liverpool have been fucked. Maybe like the, the, the Villa game, the Firmino goal that was given as offside. Yeah, but that's like that's yeah. much more like I don't know. That's much more clear cut, even though if it was like marginal, like the offside people, most of the offsides people seem to have not that much of an issue with. It's when like like irrational penalties are given or goals are like chalked off for something like mar- like marginal um, that people seem to be having more of an issue with those decisions on. I mean, I have no problem with the, that that uh, Tompkins goal, was it? That Tompkins goal being uh, called off if they're just going to be consistent with it. But I can I can think of another, yeah. another goal this weekend. I think it was in the Burnley-Watford game that a goal was uh, given when there was a clear push by Chris Wood. Uh, in the build-up to him scoring, uh, or during like the initial corner in, so 
you got to be consistent with that if that's the standard you're setting. And that's the, the main problem is that people haven't felt that there's been any sort of consistency with these calls. No, that and that's my big things with referees, and I say that with diving all the time. Uh, there was like a, a, a like a clip from a newspaper that was going around uh, Twitter, and it says who are the big VAR winners, and the the biggest winners are Southampton and Leicester. Um, both of them have had five uh, overturned decisions, and four of them went in their favor. So good for them. Just, I wouldn't know just, it. Just, I wouldn't know about that. Yeah, because. Yeah, because we don't watch Leicester and Southampton every week. I mean, I've been trying to watch Leicester more, but, uh, you know, some weeks it happens. Yeah, I was say, speak for yourself. Doesn't. I watch Leicester every week. I have to watch some entertaining teams. <laughs> they, they, that, is, that is a good point. That is a very good point. That sounds like a new segment uh, idea. I, like, we each give a team that you should watch if your team is playing like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so like, hey guys, Man United fans, Arsenal fans, you guys hey, should check Redskins out. Fans, it actually you should be a continental watch the Ravens. Catch-up. They're fun to watch right now. Exactly. <laughs> Come join well, us, Redskins fans. I don't Redskins watch the fans. NFL anymore. I don't watch the NFL anymore. I just watch soccer and and pretty yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I do now. Like fuck, like the NFL is just breaking my soul. I was really happy to see Roberto Firmino get that goal because he did whiff one earlier on. But yeah, not the most clinical day for Liverpool, but. The biggest thing for any team that wants to beat us, they have to take their chances. And, like, Palace was getting them and was just whiffing them really yeah. hard time and time they and can time do that. again. So it's like... I'm getting really tired of, like, saying 37 out of 39 points and you guys have only dropped two points this season. It's really getting annoying. Can you guys just lose a game or two? Like, this is so fucking it's coming. annoying. You won 13 straight at the tail end of last season. You guys have are gone unbeaten in what? Like it's like twenty five or twenty six or something. It's just thirty, 30 games. games. I think it's thirty games. Thirty, 30 games. games. I don't know what losing's like. I don't know what losing's like. Okay, we got like, to forty nine. You guys are like the only game that we've lost. The only Premier League game that we have lost in the last like season and a half was at Manchester City last year. Think about, and we didn't win the Premier League. Like, think about that. Sucks. I mean, <laughs> it fucking sucks. But uh, I hate honestly, it. Honestly, uh, I mean, it's 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 great. Objectively, it's great that you guys are going on like a great run. Uh, great for you guys. But um, and I, I hesitate to say this because it sounds like it sounds dumb to a gr- degree. But I feel like Liverpool fans probably even feel like they're being like not fully appreciated because you guys aren't playing well, but you're still winning. And everyone's just kind of going like, oh, Liverpool, I mean, they'll probably win it this year. But, you know, we can't really trust that. We haven't been able to trust that in the past. So we'll see. Meanwhile, Liverpool fans are watching them like either dominate a team and win, like some relatively dominate a team and win, or watch them struggle for like 60 or 70 minutes and then get two goals in the last 10 minutes and like end up winning anyway. And, you know, the the win-loss column speaks for itself in terms of, like, how good the team is. Just the, the method that they're going about winning these games to start the season. It's not making everyone stand up and go, like, this Liverpool team is amazing. They're European champions. They're, like, one of the best, like, Liverpool teams sounds ever. Like, uh, sounds like another team that we, uh, we used to watch in the 2000s, Alex. They, they used to win 1-2-0 uh, uh, no, all the time and just park the bus and... Had a really good no, defense. I can't say. I can't say. I know no, what you're Alex, talking about. You don't remember here. teams like park that? The they used to where, win ugly all the time. The and that uh, maybe now the current manager might be managing Tottenham or something like that. Or I don't know. No, 
No, I, I remember. I remember a Chelsea team winning the league, setting a points record, and then a couple years later, setting the number of goals scored in the league record. I remember that. Yeah, I don't remember anything about what you're talking about, but. No, I'm just saying that Liverpool aren't exactly like playing super well, and like I wouldn't be surprised we're if Liverpool not. fans are kind of like. I mean, yeah, we're not playing well, but isn't this impressive in and of itself? We we have. I will say, I it's not that I haven't enjoyed watching them because they still won, but this is not the most entertaining I've seen them under Klopp. Like, I mean, the City game. And was. to bring it back the to City. Chelsea, it doesn't matter how well you play; it matters if you win it. It matters if you win it. What Javier just brought up, because what Javier just brought up is exactly what I mean. It doesn't matter how you play. It's a batter, It matters how many you win and how you win the league. If you're holding that trophy, then I don't give a fuck really how you did They're going to hold it. the trophy. You're the best like, team in the league. It's, it, it's happening this year. It's happening. I don't know, man. Leicester looking good. It's happening. <laughs> I did. Okay, so uh, my guy got back to me. I got Leicester at plus 2,900. To win the Premier so League. the same for what you would get Tottenham yeah. for the yeah. Champions League. Okay, that's yeah. I put five dollars down. I'd win hundred and ninety dollars on that. Right. The, okay. The Leicester winning the leagues like at twenty nine hundred seems more likely than Tottenham winning the Champions League at plus twenty nine hundred. But then there's like the even mm-hmm. this it is, evens out. This where is Tottenham a good transition a, a to talk tournament. about Leicester because I want to announce them right now. Uh, there's a third contender in the title race this year. And uh, they're 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 a team in blue. But they're not a team in London. Not you, Chelsea. Fuck you. I mean, we were you. you just said you're going to move on to Leicester. Exactly. And then you but started teasing yeah. Leicester. <laughs> I think this team is the third best team in the league, and I think that they are. Um, can I get can I get a, an away win against one of the top six? Yeah, I, I need. I need to see them in January before I'm ready to really like declare them. Yeah, I think uh, let's see how they do with this busy schedule because they don't have the depth that Manchester City or Liverpool have. They're playing have. some crazy they don't have, frankly, stuff they don't have though, the depth and they're that Chelsea keeping has. clean sheets like defensively. They've been playing. They also really, don't have really Europe. Well. Yeah, they don't have Europe. They're I don't know. The squad is super right, fresh. Right, so January or February. And Chilwell looks like a demon. Like, yeah. the guy is just, like, destroying teams on the left wing. I would um, love him at Liverpool. Jamie Vardy, Jamie Vardy has, like, 12. Chilwell's, like, playing Unreal right now. Have you, you... No, but Andrew's saying I would love him at Liverpool. Get the fuck out of here, Andrew. To sit like, on the bench? Right, Alex on. is like, he's like, coming to Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, he's coming yeah. to Chelsea. Dude, this Get guy is here. so good. Like, I would love <laughs> nah. Chilwell, too. Um, Actually, City. Manchester City. Right. I'm sure they would sign uh, him. Jamie Vardy has 12 uh, yeah. goals, and we're only in. We're still in November, and this guy is a fucking machine. Jamie Vardy doesn't want to come out of retirement for the English national. James team, Madison but. is 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 playing unbelievably. Uh, Harvey Barnes looks great. Ayosi Perez is scoring goals. I mean, this team is clicking. They've got depth now. Uh, Damari Gray is coming in off the bench and playing well. They've got a bunch of midfielders like uh, Dennis Prayet. Do you know, you know what other team was clicking? Do, do you know what other team was clicking really well? Liverpool in 2013-14, and then and then the wheels fell off in the second half of the year. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, okay. but I think like this it's, this it, midfield is is it better than that Liverpool midfield? I guess you guys. Yeah, I mean that Liverpool right, midfield. Like that Liverpool midfield was an was an old Gerrard, Jordan Henderson sitting next to him. And I mean, they Coutinho obviously don't have like them, a. As much of a scoring power as sure. um, 
as you guys had in that team, but they have a lot. The goals are spread SAS. throughout the team. I don't know. I think and Soyonochu is that guy is the real deal. He is so good. I think the sample size already this season. Like I've been watching him intently in every game this year, and as a center back, he is. Uh, I think in like the top five center backs in the league right now. He's uh, he's playing that well. So if you could sign one player from Leicester to Arsenal or Chelsea, who would it be? Well, you go first since you guys need it more. Probably like either in Didi or Tielmans, one of their midfielders. Yeah, probably Tielmans. Till yeah, I was about to say you're not taking Tielmans. Uh, I'd probably say Chilwell. We need a left back when, which is a a, a half decent segue to uh, what we're about to talk about. Yeah, uh, I'll take. Fuck, there's so many pieces that I want, but none of them are going to start. I'll take Wilfred and Didi because we don't have a real backup for. for yeah, get the uh, get the hell Mino out of here. We're Klopp looking just... at like starting options that could fix our team, and you're there like, ah, oh, who can we get to be a decent backup? Like, get the fuck out of here. Hey, Fabinho. You just asked us Fabinho's, about our team. Fabinho's you're not allowed to bring yourself into it. Your team just won the Champions League and is nine points ahead in the league. <laughs> I didn't even talk about Ricardo Pereira and like Ndidi, I said, but like this entire team is just like absolutely buzzing right now. They're playing so fucking well, and like I think that overall as a team, they're definitely the the second best team in the league right now. Um, but City is City's like faltering a little bit for me, and uh, it's in between those two. As I think they're like definitely in in the title race right now, though. I think. I mean, I I think Liverpool's still going to win it pretty clearly, but I think they're going to be up there with City this year. And, it's going to be hard to get them out of top four. They'd have to collapse pretty badly to get to not make top four this year. Uh, at this point, yeah, I agree. At this point, I agree. But I, I don't know about title is what I'm saying. All right, let's get to Manchester City, who beat Chelsea 2-1. Like I said, goals from De Bruyne and Mares. And why am I blanking on who else got on the score sheet? And N'Golo Kante opened the scoring. 21st minute. That's right. That's right. And there was a Raheem Sterling goal that was ruled off for VAR that he had quite the take on Twitter about. I feel bad for Raheem because he's had a couple of those this year where, you know, he's he's been like even a hair's length on side. And you can't see it with the naked eye. They need to like triple zoom in with like four different lines and like look at the shoulder and like the, the breadth of like the tip of his toe and the tip of the other guy's shoulder and like... In those situations, I feel like you should just give the goal to the attacker. If it takes you, like, more than a minute to fight, figure out if it's offside or not, and you can't just immediately how, tell. How about 30 seconds? Right, about or 30, 30 seconds. seconds. If you can't immediately tell or, like, very quickly tell if it's offside or not, then you have to just give the benefit to the attacker and say, okay, even if it's, like, an inch offside, like, that's not, like, that's not what the game is really about or the spirit of the game is about. And, and, and Games like... Yeah, but again, it doesn't matter in this situation. It doesn't really. He wasn't matter. offside. You know, I don't think. Like, up, I think you have to give him the goal in that situation. No, he wasn't. It, it should. It should have stood. Like, I'm not. I'm not protesting that. But you know, it didn't matter. They still won. I mean, it matters. It like a like game they, altering like, decision. Three one or two one in this okay, situation sure, matters, and you don't know. In the okay, end sure. Of the year. But then in Watford, and when they beat Watford eight nil, like there's probably some chances in that game that easily could have ended had it end like six or seven nil. Like it's it's super marginal. They get the three points. That's the most important part. But. You, I'm just. I'll go. I'll go. I'll pull the homer card and I'll go back into the fact that I think the main story from this game is the fact that uh, Chelsea have shown that they've taken like another step forward in these like proper big games. Uh, still losing all three of them that we've played in the league this season, but like 
gradually taking more and more steps towards uh, better performances and those better performances translating to closer games. The 4-0 to start the season at Manchester United, the main conversation coming out of that was that it wasn't a 4-0 game. And, you know, people are still making fun of Chelsea and saying like, ah, you guys played well and still lost 4-0. Like, we took that in stride. We're sitting there like, yeah, but, you know, we can see what's happening. We can see that this is going to lead to something better. The 2-1 loss against Liverpool, we're trailing for most of that game, uh, but, but still playing well throughout, especially in the second half. And it, it, it led to a seven-game win streak in the league that, uh, you know, if the only two games you lose in a nine-game stretch in the league are home Liverpool and away Manchester City, bookending seven wins in the league, like on the trot, then you'll take that in terms of league form if that's what it means to get top four. Uh and it finally ends uh, with this Manchester City performance with the stat that you mentioned at the beginning of the of the pod, Andrew, of Chelsea having the most possession in a game against a Pep Guardiola side, like ever, which over 600 games, or sorry, 381 top flight games, you, you know, I, I think that's a stat that matters. And it shows that Chelsea yet again are uh, talented enough to take like a, a better step or pro- uh, progression before, towards something more meaningful, but not quite experienced enough and not quite uh, like cutting edge enough to really uh, get the results. So it's still promising, but we're going to need to see an actual result in this uh, in this Tottenham and Arsenal game coming up. In one of those two, we have to see some sort of step towards either a draw with a good performance or hopefully a win. Alex, I 100% agree with you. The seven games, seven game streak is so huge for a team that has just the like that doesn't have the full experience of playing in the Premier League like game in game out like there's a lot of there's like there's a lot of key players that that are really doing this for the first go round and like there was questions about whether or not Frank could handle this job and I think I think what are we 13 weeks yeah. in now I I think he's done it I think he's done enough a good enough of uh, he's shown that he has a good enough uh, hands on the reins. He's got right he's got now. an understanding and of the younger I, players mainly, and he's getting more out of I'm the most of the, the experienced Spurs players. Game. Yeah, that's gonna be. That's I'm gonna excited. Be crazy. I'm really excited for Chelsea Spurs. That's gonna be a great. That's that's gonna, that's gonna have so many storylines. Really, really. I just choose to that. to focus more on the wins we've had against the teams that we technically should be beating. But week after week, we mm-hmm. see Tottenham and Arsenal and Manchester United drop points to these terrible teams. And it's not like here and there. It's every week it seems like they're struggling with some of these teams. And we're pumping them for three or four goals. Like, that's the majority of your games in a league format. I get it. Like, we're not you're, we're not going to win the league going to Manchester City, having a bunch of possession, and then giving away two soft goals. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, as, as well as but we're going to get top played, four. Kovacic and Jorginho gave away both So goals. well. Yeah, but I mean, I think Jorginho was blatantly at fault for the giveaway for the first one. The second one, I think, it was it was isn't as pass. terrible. For, it wasn't, but it was. It's not as much of a point to Kovacic and say that was your fault. That was a bad giveaway. The Jorginho one, he played it like tried to get it to Tammy in between two City players that were reading him the whole way. And when you're up one nil, you have to, especially from the player who's uh, supposed to be most uh, involved in your keeping of possession and not making those mistakes. He has to have a better decision-making process there to maybe play it back to a center back or get it out wide rather than trying to force something like that. And those are things that can improve. Uh, and th- there's there's aspects of the performance like Pulisic and Abraham and uh, Mason Mount coming on closer to the end of the game where 
they didn't look like they were really like forcing their will upon the game. But you know, you can see there where there's room to grow, and they're obviously doing well against these teams that they should do well against. So nothing seems nothing seems like it's going backwards at Chelsea. It all seems like everything's going forward and working towards something much much better. Which I guess is good for you and bad for the rest of us. Uh, what did we think about Manchester City in this game? Was, was there anything we feel like we learned or just that the Manchester City... The defense And, like, good. how... If if Aguero is really going to be out for a consistent amount of time, how dangerous uh, that, is that I don't think they'll miss team? him at all. I mean, we've seen them... Yeah, I think they might even right. get better. They're just going to have Raheem score yeah. goals and... Gabriel Jesus. I, I honestly think Jesus. Mm. Yeah, Jesus is a better fit for what Pep Guardiola wants to start from start every forward. game now. Oh no! <laughs> the, the player. <laughs> well, no. Silva was only Silva was only out because of that that ban from the quote racist tweet. On oh Mendy. yeah, yeah, the racist I mean, tweet about. And Mendy, Mendy. just comes in and cuts it on his left and absolutely skins Emerson. So you know, what did they really miss? Not that much. I'd still rather have Bernardo Silva than Riyad Mahrez. That's but that's me. They're both pretty good. One would say. Um, all right, let's get let's get uh, gets us to the goal fiesta involving Sheffield United, which we kind of talked about earlier. Three three against Manchester United. John Fleck, Musset, then Brandon Williams, who I'd never heard of for Manchester United, with like a, a very nice Beautiful goal, ball. like a really solid finish. Uh, Mason Greenwood after just an absolute peach from Rashford in the seventy seventh. In not in seven minutes, Manchester United scored three hey, goals. Hey, I told you guys there was something to this like, United side that they they have some offensive power, and we you both guys were you guys were both taunting how good Sheffield would have been, and that was also true. So I think both of those yeah, things okay. showed <laughs> in this game, and uh, I I don't know I I liked. Obviously, Sheffield's performance was fantastic. They probably deserved to win the game. De Gea made a crazy double save at the beginning of the game. Um, and there was a bunch of saves that he made, and Sheffield had a bunch of half chances that they missed, and they probably were going to feel uh, they could have gotten more than a draw. But in the end, after you know going down 3-2, probably getting a draw feels good for them, getting an equalizer in the last minute to keep their unbeaten run going here. Um, and from United's end, I'm sure they don't feel that bad uh, getting a draw after being down 2-0 against a team like Sheffield. And, you know, they could have easily been down 3 or 4-0 in the first uh, half. And they still have a lot of defensive problems, obviously. Um, they started Phil Jones this game, which was what led to a lot of those defensive problems in the first half. Uh, I don't think that they're going to keep doing that from now on. I think that that, that little Phil Jones experiment I don't think is uh, going to keep going forward, but... I, I still think that that front three of James, Martial, Rashford um, is really, really good and um, really dynamic and can, has a lot of room to grow. But I actually thought that they kind of grew and changed and became even better um, when they added Mason Greenwood to that front line and actually had all four of them on the pitch and were playing um, – like Daniel James, I, I guess like maybe even kind of in that number 10 role and then playing um, Marcus Rashford on the left, Martial on the right, and Mason Greenwood in the middle. Um, like a co-worker of mine suggested that he thinks that that, that could be a really strong formation going forward for uh, 
Manchester United is like playing Greenwood in the middle with those two. And yeah, I think they looked really good after Mason Greenwood came on and he added just another dimension to them, added another level of runs, just more trickery in the box and, and another lethal finisher. So yeah, I this United side I think has more room to grow and they showed another level uh, to their play and I think they're slowly improving. I, 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 as, as much as it pains me, they look better than Arsenal and like Tottenham right now. And I mean, even Tottenham, I think, look okay, like considering the new manager bump. So Arsenal look like the worst fucking team out of the uh, out of the top. Like, what is it, seven now? To top seven, and Wolves are in Burnley are above us now too. Wolves were in the relegation zone, and so was fucking Burnley. Do you guys remember the first like after the first five or six games, we were talking about like, oh, Wolves could be in relegation like fight this year. So could Burnley. And now they're both above Arsenal. Arsenal Alex, have you, are you done yet? Alex, have you finished? <laughs> Arsenal relegation right, Alex, form? Oh, I oh, finished a did, while okay, ago. Is it, are you starting up again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, round, round two. two. God Let's go. damn it, man. Uh, no, but, okay, so you say those nice things about United, but I can't help to think that you know the midfield two they played, Fred oh, they were dreadful. Uh, Pereira. But th- those two are going to change. That was they absolutely need McTominay awful. and Pogba back. Like, Right, so their strategy for what seemed like the first 70 minutes of the game before they went on that nice little seven-minute uh, goal run seemed to be like uh, try to defend well with our like back seven, I guess it was, with the, the back three. They switched off uh, Jones for, I believe, Jesse Lingard at halftime to get out of that, that back five formation and try to get back in the game. Uh, but they concede a goal uh, early in the second half. Uh, bring on Greenwood, like you said, and uh, eventually bring on Tuan Zebe to try to like shore up that three-two lead. But they, <laughs> they, it's it's just it seems like a mess. It seems like their only sort of uh, attacking uh, like pattern they can consistently rely on is defend well, try to win it back, like either in our own defensive third or somewhere in midfield while our opponents are progressing the ball. Try to win it back and then hoof it forward for one of the pacey guys to run onto. Which, yeah, sure, in like very basic terms, that seems like a good strategy. But, you know, there's not much nuance to that. You know, you're not really thinking through your problems much. We heard the the commentators say, it was kind of something that I was thinking about, as you, uh, Sheffield United were like dominating that game, got the lead and were outplaying United. Uh, I think it was Lee Dixon or uh, Matt Lasseau said something along the lines of, United have to think their way out of this because right now they're just getting outsmarted and outworked all over the field. And instead, United just seemed to sort of do the hit and hope strategy of, please, one of our pacey players, get on the end of this and make something happen. We've seen that catch up to them in the past, and I, I guess you can say it caught up to them uh, today. I don't they know, they had some, they had some nice build-up for their goals, though. Um, yes, okay, so because they have those two like midfielders who can't really offer you anything in terms of thinking through your problems in possession... It does force them to go into wide positions, which with Brandon Williams, that 19-year-old left back who scored, and uh, Juan Basaka, they do have better players out in those wider areas to sort of link with Rashford and Martial and James and whoever's out there. So that's that's an area where you think they can improve and like consistently create something. But the hit and hope method, I just I, like Manchester United should not be playing that way. They should be trying to bring the ball down and then play through those wide areas a bit more. And you're not seeing it enough right now. Yeah. Uh... Do you guys think that when Pogba and McTominay do return, yeah, eventually, stick them in there instead of Pereira and uh, Fred. That do you think? Do you think they really could go on a run? I mean, I still need to see how McTominay and Pogba do in those positions because it's it's 
widely known that Pogba isn't the most disciplined midfielder. He likes to get forward. He likes to be basically a a, 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 a third or fourth attacker and be like the, the extra man making the late run. Um, so it, it might not work, but uh, especially against the bigger teams. But you know, in this Sheffield game, you can't tell me that McTominay and Pogba wouldn't have been a better uh, pairing in that midfield two and a, a three four three than Fred and Pereira were. That they were they've both been pretty bad for a while now. All right, uh, I think that's gonna about wrap it up for us here today on the pod. A little long form, loose, loosey goosey Sunday night for uh, for all of us here on the pod, which. That was a good time. Uh, follow us on social media at Andrew Passara at ASMOS92 at JavierRev9 and at GhostGoldPod, where, by the way, you'll get my weekly gambling picks now via a blog format. And I think there's DFS plays coming in the near future, too. So look out for that. And um, until next time. Bye, you